Hey, this is Cameron Pierce, editor of Lazy Fascist Press, and you're listening to Booked. Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Uh, this week is another uh, of our famed interlude episodes. Uh, what does that mean, Rob? <laughs> famed. Uh, it means we're not reading. We didn't read a book. Yeah, it's not, not that we didn't plan to read a book. We planned to read a book, and then that kind of fell through. Then we planned on reading another book. I got three pages into it and asked Rob if we could just skip reading the book altogether. Um, so <laughs> that left us with no book this week. So what we really want to talk about is we're sock puppets now. Yeah, apparently, um, this is probably my fault. I don't know if I told you this, Livius, but Caleb asked me for permission to use some of the audio from um, our recent review of S by J.J. Abrams and Doug Dorst. Mm-hmm. And um, I did. I, I let him. I said, that's fine. Oh. He did not mention sock puppets. <laughs> I was going to say, let me, let me ask you something. This is that conversation <laughs> one. Hey, can I use some of your audio? And you asked zero questions regarding what he was going to do with it. Is that accurate? Um, that's strikingly surprisingly <laughs> accurate yeah now i did watch a video where this uh, this caleb ross character <laughs> pissed into a cup and then drank it and you he give him that. our audio just like that not only and this is i can't tell you this is where it's worse than you you believe um let me pull up the message conver- the conversation mm-hmm. because it's not that i just gave him permission to use the audio from uh our S review. Here's the message from him. I'm, I assume you probably don't mind, but just in case, do you care if I use some of the audio from the S episode in my video review for the book? I'll definitely give proper credit. That was Caleb's Caleb's request. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for my response? <laughs> this is going to be... Damn it. <laughs> you're going to just hate me for this. I said, be my guest. That goes for any episode you have appeared in. <sighs> so just watch out. We're sock puppets now, but like we could be much worse. Proper soon. credit was that the sock that represented me had Romania written around the <laughs> neck of it. Well, what did yours have? I couldn't make out what yours had on the bottom. Of I it. didn't see that yours said Romania. Yes. Mine had the glasses. Well, I had I gla- was there was on something it. on the neck too. I don't know. All right. Anyway, um, uh, all all joking aside, as we're talking about sock puppets, it's one of the funniest goddamn things I think I've seen in a really long time. <laughs> Um, so you should totally check it out. I'm sure that's magically somehow a link will appear in the post to this podcast. And uh, you'll be able to check it out. It might sound really familiar if you listen to the S review because it's about you know five minutes, four minutes of audio of us talking about it. But we do it as sock puppets. Now, here's my question. I assumed that when we recorded the S episode that we were all in our own respective um, locations. Like Caleb mm-hmm. was in Kansas City and I was here and you were where you are. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming this didn't actually happen in real life, but I want to make sure. In the in the sock puppet version of what happened, sock puppet Livius draws a dick on uh, Caleb's pretend sleeping face. Um, that wasn't based on anything that ever really happened, right? No, but I will tell you this. I do feel that I'll see Caleb at some point again, and I think it's going to be one of those life imitates art things. 
You're just going to have to like wait till he passes out and draw a penis on his face. The guy has a very serious drinking problem. I don't think I'll have to wait that long. Yeah, that's true, yeah. He'll yeah. just buy some $26 bottle of beer, and next thing you know, everybody's busting out the Sharpies. That's right. So to draw on his face. Definitely go check it out. Um, there should be a link in this post. If not, you can uh, just search for Caleb J. Ross on Facebook. He has, I don't know, like 100 videos or something on there. Um, you know, most of them are, are palatable. <laughs> well, our, ours is probably the most on point of all of them, I believe. I, I, I have to agree um, whole, wholeheartedly. So, Caleb, at any rate, thank you. You totally made my night when I saw that. It was, that was uh, just my favorite Mr. Caleb Ross video by far. Easily, easily the best one. All right, on to some um, legitimate uh, <laughs> news. Just today, um, Amazon announced uh, that they're starting uh, another imprint, imprint number 72. Two for them, I think. 73? I'll just count, man. Um, so, let's see. They, uh, what was the last thing they did? Fanfic. They had the fanfic imprint. Um, I yeah, see Amazon Worlds. Yeah, I see that's blown up. Yeah. I haven't heard a word about it since the, day, <laughs> since the day it launched. That brings up a point. I was thinking about we have to go through... Or actually, let's just, you know... Let's just pretend like we're going to go through and look at... Pretty much like throughout the history of this podcast, we've talked about like tons of major new initiatives that Amazon was coming out with of -hmm. which I can't remember another one like any of them that I've heard like another like a follow-up about them ever like yeah Amazon does this thing and then it just kind of never like goes anywhere yeah and I mean you know I I guess we never follow up on it we don't know that people aren't um buying Amazon imprint books because they're they're not um Amazon's not coming out and saying, oh, we're selling like a million books at this. You know, they're just doing it very quietly. So I don't know that it's unsuccessful for them. Um, What I do know is that this one where they publish just short stories. um, Don't we have enough people publishing short stories? I mean, is there really a big, big hole in the market that Amazon needs to fill with this? Like the fan fiction one, I kind of get. You get organized, probably well-edited fan fiction instead of having to read it on a forum. You, you, you buy it, you put it right on your Kindle or your iPad, you know, and you read it on the go. I, I, I kind of understand that. Aren't there already, you know, oh, I don't know, four or five hundred, if not more, publishers doing great short stories all on their own without the help of Amazon? Yeah, really all I see this doing is giving chronic self-publishers a faster venue to publishing their short stories without having to go through even like an indie publisher yeah i don't know what and i don't know how this works so is it going to be that you just submit it and they publish it for you or is there going to be some editorial process that they're actually involved in where they select stories uh you know and accept submissions so i guess at some point we'll probably get a little more information on it i will say that this day is this um day one magazine yeah, this literary magazine is uh is kind of interesting, and I may look into that. So I may see what that's all about. That they've also kind of tied into this launch, um, but yeah, it just doesn't seem like it's filling a, a need. Right, um, that's a good point. Um, because if you want short fiction, there is no shortage of places to get it. Like, I mean, even just like, I mean. Obviously, you go to the big ones, which are, like, the best American blah, 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 whatever's, but, like, like for collections of short fiction, but fucking, you can't, you know, I couldn't spit without hitting while I'm standing right next to my bookshelf, so that's kind of... 
beside the point, but like, you know, hitting like tons of collections of, of short stories or there's, you know, just an immeasurable number of websites that are just posting fiction that is available to read for free. Yeah, it just seems like it's kind of of well-publicized redundancy. Yeah, that's, yeah, so I don't know. I, I, I kind of, you know, I was a huge Amazon fan for a long time, and I've kind of, my, my love for them has dwindled a little bit. Here's what I here's what I think, and and the day that this happens, that will restore my faith in Amazon. I write a story, send it to Amazon's printer. They print it out as a little chapbook, and within ten minutes, I'm looking out my window, and it's fl- hovering outside my window, <laughs> like. Bzzz. Dude, that whole drone thing. I was like, this is kind of cool. I see some problems, but. See how small that box is that that they yeah. bring you stuff in. I I don't know what item you you have to order like two lug nuts, like a a, a pair of earrings they can deliver. A it watch. can fit so many ebooks though. Yeah, exactly. Yes, or ten thousand ebooks. <laughs> um, so I guess I won't be getting my TV delivered within twenty minutes via drone, via Amazon drone strike. But I was like, this is really cool, and then I was thinking, I was like. I wonder what percentage of items they sell actually fit in that box. Yeah. And what the cost will be. Yeah, what's the drone surcharge? It, it's got to be. It's got to be at least what next day shipping is, right? Yeah. I would imagine. I mean, I, I have to imagine it's probably low energy, but like when, when one of those bitches goes down, you know that like either one's going to malfunction somewhere and like they're mm-hmm. going to lose it or... Someone's going to shoot it out of the sky or something crazy like that. Well, And then I start thinking things like I was in uh, was I in Walmart. I was somewhere. I was in a store recently and after I saw that article and they had the little motorized helicopters. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, maybe I could just do this. I just buy a couple of these bad boys, right? But then Live my thought on. was, I'm, yeah, well, then here's the problem, though. I, I probably can't attach a GPS unit to drive one of them. So it would be me like running down the street with like a joystick. <laughs> You're just driving in your car. Like, yeah, exactly. Like like looking looking at Google Maps the whole time. Like, <laughs> and then just like dropping it off on your front step and driving away. <laughs> so it's not necessarily like I don't know if your business plan is solid. I don't know if that's airtight. <laughs> Dude, seriously, those little those little helicopters are like thirty bucks. And I really only need one since I have to control it. I can't do multiple deliveries at one time. <laughs> Uh, no, you don't want in on this. I'm looking for some funding. I need thirty bucks and some gas. What are you talking about? I'm already going to GoDaddy to see if <laughs> Livazon.com is available. <laughs> Livazon. <laughs> <laughs> and surprisingly, uh, on according to GoDaddy.com, Livazon.com is already taken. This is not possible. Is it really taken? <laughs> However, uh, .org is available. .biz. .net and .co. Someone's already ahead of us. Someone's already got one remote control helicopter, and they're just flying. Yeah. This, is, this is my like thirty seventh business plan to fail this year. <laughs> I'm glad it. you just throw in the towel right after uh, GoDaddy doesn't have your domain. Well, yeah, it's the whole system it's is pointless. completely broken now. <laughs> um, hey, you know what? I got some books. <laughs> they did not come from from. The Amazon drone or the Livazon drone helicopter strike or whatever it is. <laughs> Dude, I got some care of the Royal Mail. 
What? The Royal Mail. Apparently. Across the pond? Yes, but dude, that's pretty crazy. Like they have like just fucking regal people doing their mail over there. It's Wait, insane. did it say like the Royal Mail somewhere? Yeah, on the package. Really? Yes. Sounds way better than like the post office. Exactly. But um, I got three chapbooks from um, This Is Horror. So uh, I'll be honest, here's what happened. I ordered Chalk. We reviewed Chalk recently. Kind of did like a little mini review of it. So I ordered Chalk when it was available. And um, uh, Michael Wilson was kind enough to include um, the two This Is Horror chapbooks that I hadn't read, which are Joe and Me by David Moody and Thin Men with Yellow Faces by Gary McMahon and Simon Bestwick. So um, I'm very excited to be able to read those at some point. And all three of them are signed. What? Signed by who? Michael Wilson? Yeah, Michael Wilson signed. No, I'm no, no. They're signed by the by the actual. They're not personalized or anything. There, but they are signed. All of them are inscribed, which is very cool. Because you know how it nice. is nowadays. That's pretty much all I keep as far as books go. They're signed, or I know I'm going to get them signed. Right. Or Everything you're else mentioned goes to in Google. there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm very excited to uh, to read those. And if you're looking, so I know this sounds like an advertisement, but they have uh, put together a package. Um, of all four of the year one chapbooks, which is pretty cool. So you can get the two I mentioned, Conrad Williams with The Fox and Joseph DeLacy with Roadkill, both of which we did many reviews for here on the show. You can head over to thisishorror.co.uk and pick that up. And I'm willing to wager that they're all signed too, which isn't mentioned, I don't think, anywhere in the post for it on their website. They're all signed by Michael Wilson. Not by Michael Wilson, by the people who wrote them. I swear, I swear somewhere, and I'm looking for it, he posted the uh, the picture of the cover for the next, the upcoming one that we haven't uh, talked about yet because we're not sure if it's, like, been announced. I know. I thought I saw a cover, too. He, it was, like, in between the last time we said we thought we saw the cover, <laughs> and now I think I saw it again. I think we should just say what it is. Let's just say what it is. I'm very excited about this. I'm going to let you do it. Actually, before we do that, I might be risking my I might be risking my livelihood by doing this. Actually, I think I'm thinking about it. That's very true because you are now sort of sort of an employee at This Is Horror. In a way, yeah, I'm I'm employee does definitely strongly imply that I'm making any money, <laughs> uh, which is definitely not the case. Um, but I am on their uh, I'm on their what do you call that thing? Masthead. Yep. Yeah. I'm listed as a columnist, not like a contributor, but an actual columnist uh, at This Is Horror, which is pretty exciting. Um, I'm really excited about that, but I'm also a little concerned. Can I air my concern? Yes, absolutely. You went and took this gig <laughs> without any consideration to the fact that it might um, hurt our chances of winning podcast of the year, for which I understand we were nominated. Now, I haven't heard this officially from This Is Horror, but I have heard from at least two people that nominated us. For podcast of the year that we were nominated, right? So I got to tell you, man, I may not be the one to go if you compromise this podcast. Yeah, but this is think of this. Mm-hmm. This is my clever. This is this is. I'm, there's a really clever reason that you know I'm backdating as the I, reason I decided to do this. I can't wait to hear this. Okay, go ahead. So understanding how bitter and like emotional you can be about not getting what you want what um that's ridiculous <laughs> no 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 you are you can be a bitter person and um and so imagining a scenario where 
we don't win <laughs> podcast of the year, someone else wins the the you know the medal, the mm-hmm. the prize, the uh, award, whatever. Mm-hmm. That would be devastating. I don't know if we could recover from that, but if we were disqualified due to the fact that I work as part of this is horror, that doesn't necessarily mean we lost. We could still be the you know what I'm saying. Just we couldn't get the award, but because we were disqualified, not because we weren't awarded it. That was some very serious backpedaling on your part. <laughs> it's a good rationalization in my mind. All right. Well, be that as it may, um, while while you were making excuses over there, I did some research. It, it actually has been announced by them, so we can definitely talk about it. Can't Steve, tell you how excited I am about this. Stephen Graham Jones is joining the This Is Horror family with The Elvis Room. And the cover is pretty badass. The cover is totally badass. It's a... Uh... Uh, it looks like it's like a peephole of a door, right? Yes, it is. With a creepy looking dude on the the, the glass lens of the of the peephole. Yeah, it's like his skull wearing a suit sitting in a chair. Yeah. Do not open that door. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I can't we as much you know how big and gushy we get about uh Stephen Graham Jones. I can't wait to read a chapbook that uh this is horror puts out of yeah. his. Oh yeah. And uh, fresh, fresh off our our Broken River Books review, um, I, I just can Yes, yes. That's all I can say about it is yes. I'm very excited. Expect that there will be a review of that um, here on this podcast, probably as soon as we could wrestle a copy um, out from uh, from your new your new editor in chief's um, fingers. That's true. Yeah, maybe I have a little uh, clout now. Maybe I can get the inside angle. Yeah, it's not like, like they this? were like, you who's know, Rob. <laughs> who? Yeah. It is the picture, my uh, my author picture, mm-hmm. my columnist mm-hmm. picture over at This Is Horror, mm-hmm. is um, from the our photo shoot when we were in L.A. Oh. Sitting in those chairs, mm-hmm. real classy picture of both of us, but it's just the one where it's just me. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing I always think that really makes that picture is like we're all in jeans and black shirts and we look all similar and everything, and mm-hmm. I'm wearing flip flops. Because you're a classy guy like that. Classy. Classy dude. Nothing speaks class like flip-flops. I don't That's even know right. if they have flip-flops in the UK. <laughs> we should look into they, that. They probably have a really weird name for them. Like oh, Torch God. for... Uh, Hold on a second. Let's see. <laughs> what is British? <laughs> are you going to use some more of your uh, amazing Google skills? Yes. Like, are there Mayans? Are there Mayans? <laughs> Um, uh, okay, so the first thing that came is uh, someone called them thongs. Okay, I've heard that. Thongs, which is a totally different... I never want to see you wearing thongs. Let me just make that real clear right now. It's not a sight. <laughs> I want to I wanna take in. So you keep wearing your flip-flops. But yeah, thongs. They're called thongs. Thongs, yeah. That's a little... <laughs> It's definitely not what Livius thinks of when he hears the word thongs. No, that is absolutely not it. <laughs> so, any rate, um, congratulations on your, and I know we mentioned on the last episode, but I, congratulations on your new column over there. Very happy to see you getting some uh, some internet exposure with some of your creepy-ass dreams and ideas. Yeah, I figured that I would lose some friends over that admission. But um, so far, everybody's hanging tough with me. Or <laughs> they're trying to just make you know keep me happy. Yeah, or they're yeah they're just afraid of saying anything to you. That's the other thing. 
That's right. That's right. So it's coming up on the end of the year, and in in previous calendar years, we did a end of year, like a year in review episode where um, I got to geek out, throw together a bunch of spreadsheets, tables, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. and we would just spend a stupid amount of time talking about facts about the podcast, right? Yes. And surprisingly, they were some of our better um, liked episodes. They were pretty popular. but they, they were, and I don't get it. I don't even understand why. <laughs> I really don't. So, but yes, they were. Hopefully it's not that people were just like, well, I'm just going to wait for that one. <laughs> Find yeah. out what they did. Oh, God. That would be terrible. Yeah, so now that Rob has said that, we are definitely not doing that again. Yeah, and instead we're going to make you guys do some work. We're going to involve you in our, in our end of the year um, kind of send off for 2013 episode uh, or actually this is not going to be one episode it's going to be broken up we are doing and we've talked about it on several uh, previous episodes something called Donnie Booked and uh, essentially what Donnie Booked is is we're going to have uh, listeners vote on different categories for kind of a best of for each of those categories um, and that's going to give us basically it's not awards or anything. It's just kind of an audience participation type um, version of a year in review type episode. I have one question. Does this particular, I don't want to call it a contest or, or whatever, but does does it take place in Donnie Booked, Indiana? <laughs> Did you even read the book? <sighs> no. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think anybody's going to get that. <laughs> No one's going to get that. That's fine. Um, so Donnie Brook, do you want to explain what Donnie Brook is and why we're why we're aping that name to for our contest? So Donnie Brook was a uh, fantastic novel by author Frank Bill, who uh, we reviewed the book on the show. We had him on um, subsequently for an interview. Uh, the Donnie Brook in that story is uh, I don't know how many of you guys are wrestling fans, but think like Battle Royale. Multiple battle royales that then end up in one final with the winners going to like one final fight. So a group of people fight. There's a winner from that group and they have multiple groups doing this. And then they all, you know, all the winners get together and fight in the middle you know, or in the in one ring till there's yep. one winner of the Donnybrook. So that's what we're going to be doing, as Rob kind of mentioned. We're going to have different types of episode or episodes pit, pitted up against each other. You guys will vote. We'll take the best of those. We'll throw them in a one big pile. And one episode will emerge as the Donnie Brook winner of 2013. Or the Donnie Booked winner. Well, that too. Yeah, so there's going to be all the books we've reviewed. That'll be one category. All the authors we've interviewed probably will be a different one. All the interlude episodes will kind of square off against each other. Um readings live readings all that kind of stuff will just kind of square off against each other until we have a winner for each and then we have all of those pile up and you'll vote on of those moments which one was the most popular yep if you want to go back and when livius was talking about um the book donnie brook and it made me it made me compelled to, to, to pimp it a little bit. Um, we interviewed Frank Bill, episode 141. Mm-hmm. So if you want to listen to that interview, he has a lot of really, really interesting stuff to say about what inspired a lot of the stuff in the book and um, a surprising amount to say about martial arts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, 
read the book. Donnie Brook is an awesome book. I know he's writing follow-ups. I think at least one book, but probably multiple books that are follow-ups to that. So definitely check it out. Frank Bill, super awesome guy, and um, the book is just incredible. I couldn't agree more. But more to the point, December 7th, what is that? A day that will live in infamy. Is that a Saturday? Sunday? It is. Monday? Yep. Saturday. Saturday the 7th. So this is probably actually, this episode's going up two days probably before. Mm-hmm. Um, look on Facebook, facebook.com slash bookpodcast. We should have the survey all set up for you to vote right on there. We'll also post links pretty much all over the universe. So you can just link to the actual main site for Donnie Booked. Do some voting there. And then... Uh, That'll go through for two weeks. So the 7th through the, what, 21st? Correct. We'll announce the winners at the end of the 21st. And then um, we'll do another list of just like those winners piled up against each other another two weeks. And then we'll have our main event winner. I'm very excited. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah. Did we tell people our votes are worth more than theirs? I want our votes to be worth more than theirs. Okay, that was something that I keep thinking we, we keep forgetting to bring up. So, um, <laughs> I don't know if it's uh, I don't know if it's pride or narcissism or just like I don't know being stubborn or whatever. But we figured that um, the way that this would work out <laughs> because we usually do the year in review where we talk about our top whatevers. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have a vote too, and it's going to be weighted a little heavier than mm-hmm. the listeners. Right. And it's not going to be like listeners are fifty percent, we're fifty percent. We haven't really worked out exactly what it is, but we're going to have... 70-30. We're worth 70. Listeners are 70? Or you're 70? I'm 70. They're 30. Are you even voting in this? (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to be spending so much time tabulating things. You won't know. I'll just tell you what to do. Yeah, no, it it won't be like that. But maybe maybe our votes are worth like five points each. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Either way, I'm sure it'll be fun. (laughs) We'll look at how you're voting, decide how fucked up that is, and then we'll decide how much ours bit ours way. Right? <laughs> this, is, this is that's probably the best. That's probably the most legitimate route to go is what you yeah. just said. So I mean, let's be honest. That's probably what's going to happen. Yeah. So <laughs> this is this is not a democracy. So, uh, it's a bookdocracy for Donnie dude. This books. is this is just like if you're a stockholder in a company. You know, they're like, oh, we invite all the stockholders to come vote, but then there's always the guy that's the majority shareholder. So it's yeah. going to be what he wants no matter what because he has 51% of the company. So it can be, you know, a 1,000 <laughs> people, each with a small percentage. And he's like, "That's hey, guys, thanks for coming out and voting. I know you guys all voted against this, but you know what? I have 51%. I don't know if this is really selling it too well. <laughs> I keep thinking it's better and better the more we talk about it. <laughs> I mean, well, as long as we frame it like we're doing this just for our own entertainment, I think we win no matter what. Yeah, this is yeah exactly. What we do all this for it's for our entertainment. So afterwards, when we announced everything, <laughs> no one did any voting. We'll be like, it turns out our votes were a hundred percent. Yep. Well, here's what I want. So Saturday, <laughs> Saturday, December seventh is also my birthday. Aww. So here's here's what I'd like for my birthday. I would like for everybody to vote and to share our, our screwed up little Donnie booked process with all their friends and encourage them to vote. That's what the listeners can get me for my birthday. Or I think cash. that's very nice. Or cash. And I think Either our one. level of corruption in this situation mm-hmm. is in the in the spirit of Donnie Brook, the book, as well. Yes, so, of course. Yeah. And people who read it would know that. Yeah. If you didn't read it, yeah. read it. You've still got three days. 
All right, so enough about our corrupt little contest that we're going to have. Um, here's the thing I want to talk about. And this news dropped probably like the day we were recording our last episode, I think. I want to talk about the baby Jesus butt plug. Who doesn't? Exactly. So, <laughs> Carlton Mellick, I, 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 which I think is the third, um, 10 years ago. Yeah, I hope book, it's the third. It is the third. Um, it's cool. He like signs things like CM3, which yeah. is the three. Like the number three? Yeah, I get it. I'm with you. Okay. All right. I got I'm it. just not that entertained by it. <laughs> <laughs> um, wrote this book like 10 years ago, right? Um, made a considerable splash in the Bizarro community, but other than that, I don't know that it was that it got a whole lot of recognition or press or, or eyes on it, even though it has a name that is apparently considered um, offensive by certain groups of people. Wait a minute, who could think that was offensive? We'll get into that. All don't right. don't spoil the surprise. All right, I want to step on anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> the uh, fast forward um, ten years. And uh, a professor, Jordan Smith, of the California State University, adds it to the required reading list for this semester, or however that whole college thing works. Um, and, uh, boy, that made some news, huh? Yeah, apparently um, there's a, I think it got big on a website called The Blaze, which, um, in my research, it turns out it's uh, quite conservative, it's not surprising that that's yeah. where it made big news. So, yeah, uh, um, Rob in the notes put in um, Republicans. I think it was more Christians in general. I don't necessarily know that it was limited to a political. Well, I said whiny Republicans. Well, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> whiny <Right>. Republicans. <laughs> and probably some Christians. Probably some Christians. Um, um, really, anybody yeah. who believes in Jesus. Yeah. I, I, who's yeah, not, his, yeah. He, has cool. taken offense. So it's, you know, kind of discussion worthy for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, I do believe that college professors can can pretty much require whatever they want to be read as part of their syllabus, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. like you decide what to teach when you're at that level. This isn't high school where it's like of mice and men in Animal Farm. <laughs> like, like the state decides. Yeah, exactly. So um, the other thing, too, is that, and I'm quoting from, from an article on the dailycaller.com. Um, Smith originally tried to steer students away from the book, but eventually gave in when the class voted to read it. They voted for it. Yeah, so um, that's that pretty much should have ended any kind of news about it, but it is listed. <laughs> I mean, like... <laughs> so, yeah. any rate, um, I actually got to read this book last night, which I uh, apparently went 10 years without reading it somehow. Um, one of my coworkers had it, and I was telling him about it because I knew he was a Carlton Mellick fan, and and you know I told him about it, and he says, "Yeah, you know, I have that." I was trying to buy a copy of it online. There's not um, an ebook version of it, and of course, it's it, I'm sure instantly sold out on Amazon um, once it made news. But uh, I got to read it. <laughs> you know, it's it's laugh out loud funny in some parts. Yeah, I mean, we reviewed Quicksand House mm-hmm. by Carlton Mellick the third recently, yep. and. Um, it was really well well written and had a lot of very literary qualities to it. So uh, I have to imagine that there's probably something similar, even though we wrote it ten years ago with this book too, right? Um, yeah, there are um, con- uh, there are a lot more uh, baby Jesuses being shoved into asses than in the in, than the book we read that we reviewed here on the show. Okay, 
just want to throw that out there as a major difference between the two books. So, so more than the zero that happened in Quicksand? Exactly, yes. All right. Well, that's good. Um, okay. So it's a relatively short book, 104 pages. There are actual um, drawings that uh, that Mr. Mellick did um, in there, uh, illustrations, um, and, and definitely something worth picking up if and when it becomes <laughs> available on Amazon again. I haven't checked um, today. but uh, So what did we do? We go, you know what? We're going to see if Carlton Mellick wants to come on and talk about this. And you know what happened? He uh, he was really super excited and uh, said yes. No, he was really super busy and said, "Oh, I'd love to, but I can't," which is totally cool. Um, but he did um, suggest, and why this didn't occur to either one of us, that we get Rose O'Keefe on the show to talk about it. Um, she is currently the publisher at Eraserhead Press and yeah, kind of the head honcho over there. So it would be great for us to talk to her. And she very kindly agreed to join us um, today for, for a few minutes to talk about the baby Jesus butt plug. Rose, thanks so much for taking some time to come on and talk to us here at Booked. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. So here's the beginning of the interrogation. We're asking you to speak on behalf of the entire Bizarro community. What, what's the, the reaction to um, Professor Smith assigning the baby Jesus butt plug to his class? The reaction from the entire Bizarro community is basically we're a little amused that people are still able to react to this in this way. The book came out nine years ago, and so it surprised me that it was still controversial now as it might have been then. Well, I'll say that when I talked to Carlson about it, his reaction was basically like, as an author, he's encountering criticism all the time. All writers do. That's just how this industry is. You put your ideas out there and people are going to react to them. So because he's the type of writer that tends to uh, use this sort of over-the-top, humorous, entertaining approach to his book titles, such as Satan Burger, The Haunted Vagina, and of course The Baby Jesus Butt Plug, he gets it all the time. I mean, 4chan goes crazy nuts over making fun of Carlton and his work and what a retarded asshole he is. So to see the reactions from the right-wing conservatives that were less personal attacks and more taking offense at this, what he's done with their valued religious icon, he's like, oh, wow, they're so polite about it. Isn't it great that they're still offended in this way? So. I had the chance to read the book just a few days ago um, after this news story came up when my coworkers loaned it to me. And, of course, I got to read it knowing that there was news behind it. So I think I looked at it a little differently. And I, I don't really have any religious beliefs myself, but I did go to, like, Lutheran school for a while. I'm very familiar with Christianity. And other than just the general concept, I couldn't find anything in the story that I thought was really offensive. Of course, most of the people who were ranting about this didn't read the story itself. So this guy, I, I could see where somebody would be offended by the title and kind of the overall concept, but I didn't find anything in there that led me to believe that Carlton was looking to offend Christians with it. Like, it's not, it didn't seem that that was the point of the book. Well, yes, exactly. That's not the point of the book at all. Um, the, the book doesn't uh, attack Christians 
it's it's meant to be entertaining and fun. It um, in the introduction to the book, Carlton talks about how people often ask him which came first, the book or the butt plug, and uh, the answer is the butt plug. There's actually a real device, the baby Jesus butt plug, that's put out by a company called Divine Interventions amongst other religious sex toys like the Virgin Mary dildo and the Buddha-shaped dildo. And the, the toy came first and the story was kind of written in honor of it. And uh, it just took it in an absurd, insane direction. But the, and the title of the book is just meant to be entertaining and fun. It definitely uh, is a book about the comic spirit. That's what the class that the professor taught was called the comic spirit and I remember when he actually uh, he ordered the Bizarro starter kit for his class which is a an anthology that collects a bunch of stories that are meant to introduce readers to the genre of Bizarro fiction and um, when he chose the book for his syllabus he contacted me about it and I asked him what the class was and he told me that the the class examines humor theory and global comedy in interdisciplinary perspectives and it combines the study of classical comedy plays along with modern media like manga and humorous children literature and humor in hip-hop and so this was the sort of thing that they were addressing in this class which is why in in these articles when the conservatives were reacting to it the professor was defending his choice. Um, I think he probably read in those articles, but the uh, the professor was saying that undergraduate education is about finding your voice and clarifying your values. And so, allowing the students to to choose this story, they actually voted to have this story as one that they discussed in the class. Um, was was putting them in a situation where they could have these really valuable discussions about Christianity in our modern society, about the uh, absurdity in, in humor. And um, Carlton himself says that this story is really about the objectification of children. Uh, the story takes place in a world where people don't have children they are able to just photocopy themselves into fully grown clones. So because they no longer need to have children, babies are like pets and babies are their own sort of creature that reproduce in litters and you can adopt one like you can adopt a puppy. And the most popular type of babies are these celebrity babies, which there's others listed in the book, such as baby John Lennon's and baby Andy Warhol's and baby <laughs> Ella Fitzgerald's. Mm -hmm. So this couple happens to adopt a baby Jesus. And baby Jesuses are popular. They have superpowers. And they are um, sort of taboo because the younger people are using them as anal sex toys. Most of the older people in the society of this book object to this use. Mm -hmm. um, a, a, cu a couple of things. In, interestingly enough, I read about four articles about this before we talked about on the show, and not one of them mentioned that it was comedy writing, which I find interesting because it was very slanted as if this was a, 
you know, like no. a classical literature class or, a, you know, not one of them mentioned that it's comedy as far as writing goes. So it's kind of a, I guess most of them are probably Christian websites I was reading. Um, yeah, well, that's that's typical reactionary sort of thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the one headline where it started out, the story below will undoubtedly shock many readers. Some <laughs> might doubt as to its authenticity or suggest it is a hoax. It's not. In the following story, we will name the title of a book you will likely have a hard time believing exists. <laughs> Before you go any further, this is your opportunity to stop reading now. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit, yeah. We got a little crazy with the... Uh... Well, that just gets into the sensationalism in media, and that's how all media is working right now. I mean, whether it be right or left-wing that's it's it's all about the clickbait right so i guess this kind of what i guess could be considered somewhat of a controversy leads to the question have you ever um in in taking in submissions for eraserhead or any of the other imprints that go along with it um has there ever been a consideration of not accepting a title uh due to the fact that it may be too offensive or um you know something like that not accepting a title because it might be too offensive. <laughs> no, that's not really the concern that I have. I will not accept a title if it's not funny or it's not effective. But, uh, and there have been people that go too far and it's just because the title is shitty. Um, you know, what we're looking for in these titles are, are things that are clever and amusing and really fit the book. Wait, so you're you're judging it on good content, not on whether it's going to offend people? <laughs> I don't know if you're... What, you, <laughs> what kind of business are you running yeah. over there? <laughs> All right. That's fair. <laughs> Last year, we had J. David Osborne on. He helped us kind of introduce some of our readers to Bizarro. Um, and he explained that Bizarro is, is legit. Do you find that the genre still struggles with the external perception that it has something to prove? Not really, actually. I think that we've put enough of it out there, and we have a, the scene has been around. Eraserhead Press has been publishing since 1999. The term bizarro fiction really came into use in about 2005, and. There were about three small press publishers at the time using that label, Bizarro Fiction, to categorize this type of thing. And since that time, it's really grown. Um, this, this university that taught the book, California State University at Long Beach, is not the only university teaching Bizarro Fiction. In fact, the book they use, the Bizarro Starter Kit, is uh, commonly taught in dozens of universities around the country within the past um, you know, since it came out in 2006. And we have some of the writers that we work with are college professors. We have people that are also published in the mainstream that have crossed over into writing bizarro fiction. So um, it's not something that we necessarily struggle with. I think that most people just, if they haven't heard of bizarro fiction before, then they think that Maybe it's not a thing, but yeah. Right on. Um, 
I think the question came up more just because um, with this particular uh, instance, it was a, a, a obviously a very naive conservative reaction to just a title. And so that brought about, I think when we did our intro to Bizarro, uh, Bizarro was still a little more new to us. And um, it was nice to hear how well established and legitimate the, you know, the, the genre was and everything. Um, you mentioned um, mainstream people crossing over and writing Bizarro. I'm sure it kind of goes in both directions. Can you give us some examples of, uh, of some names or titles that are good examples of that? Well, I'd say that, I mean, one person, for instance, would be John Skip, who is a New York Times bestselling author of many horror novels. He's written a book called The Emerald Burrito of Oz that's entirely hmm. bizarro fiction. It takes place in a world where Oz is a real place, and it's um, sort of a secret area that's it's been kept secret by this government. It's in Kansas. There's a portal you can get to it, um, and it's a really fantastic read. There's, of course, people like Stephen Graham Jones and Chris Sackmason and Brian Keene, who um, was one of the persons that inspired this book, The Baby Jesus Butt Plug. Really popular zombie horror novelist. And he hasn't written anything Bizarro, but he's been a huge fan of Bizarro and has been coming out to BizarroCon every year. And we've been talking to him about writing some Bizarro fiction. How do you tell someone like Brian Keene, like, hey, listen, your stuff's just not weird enough. You need to weird <laughs> it up a little bit. <laughs> Brian Keene and Carlton Malik III are really close friends. And I think that Brian Keene knows what level of absurdity we're functioning on. <laughs> All right. Where would you like to see the bizarro genre kind of head to? What are your hopes for it? I would love to see the bizarro fiction genre really be embraced by the mainstream. I think I see it in things all the time, like especially in television say for instance adult swim shows and um, in movies uh, it, it, I would love to see Bizarro in all sorts of forms of media from art to music to uh, film to of course literature and what Bizarro fiction is is just this it's weird stuff right so the simplest way that I explain it to people that I know is that when it comes to genre classifications what you focus on is what is it that people are looking for in in that sort of fiction so in romance they're looking for a love story in horror they're looking to be horrified in a western they're looking for western flavor stuff in bizarro they're looking for weird and there's a ton of people out there that like weird things you know like they will watch the cult movies because of it having that sort of twisted weird it does that fuzzy thing to your brain you're not sure whether to be uh, turned on or grossed out it makes you uncomfortable a little bit and that's what they like about it and that's what Bizarro offers I could see other forms of media being kind of a gateway to bizarro 
fiction in a way, like having a conversation with someone about having watched something or something like that, and then that person saying, oh, if you like that, you should read XYZ, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And some of it's just goddamn funny. <laughs> you know, I no, I mean, seriously, reading the Baby Jesus butt plug, I was sitting in the break room at work at my lunch um, re- and laughing out loud at some of it, you know, and I think that's one of the things that people miss is that, and I realize not all bizarro novels are meant to be funny, but the ones that are really hit the mark. Oh, yeah. I, I love the funny bizarro. We have all sorts of, of bizarro from funny to to extremely gross to poignant and romantic. But uh, I think that just in general, what what we were talking about is, is good writing and quality fiction. And if it makes you feel something, if it's effective, that's what it'll do. Absolutely. Uh, so what do you have that's coming up for, and Racerhead has like a billion imprints, so I'm not going to be able to even remember to list all of them, but, uh, what's coming up with Eraserhead or is there anything that you'd like to mention that maybe we didn't talk about so far? For fans of Carlton Malick III, his newest book is Clusterfuck. It's the sequel to his horror novel Ape Shit, and it's a spelunking horror story set in the same world as apeshit so definitely check out that one we also have a a new batch of the new bizarro author series which is our series that we release each year of first books by brand new writers in the bizarro fiction scene and what we do is we watch how people respond to these books over the course of the year as one of the deciding factors of whether or not to continue to work with these writers and produce more fiction by them in the future. So um, I really encourage fans of Bizarro Fiction to check out the new stuff there. We also have a couple other new releases, Death Machines of Death by Vince Kramer, which is just off the wall batshit funny. And I really want to recommend Time Pimp by Garrett Cook, which is a Doctor Who parody where the uh, main character is a pimp who travels through time and space getting historical figures laid. <laughs> nice. All right. I got to tell you, I'm offended by Doctor Who parodies. I just got to throw it out there. And say <laughs> I'm offended. And that by the end of the night, there will be about 40 different Doctor Who websites protesting time pimp. <laughs> Outrageous. <laughs> Hey, um, really quick question, and this might just be how like demonstrating how dense I am. Um, but I slowly like it was like I had like a four piece puzzle that I'm like you know like very slowly putting together. So Carlton has the best art I think on his books and stuff like that. And and when I was looking at the Eraserhead website the other day, I saw that he's a graphic designer. Does he do his own art? The artwork that appears on Carlton's book covers is all done by Ed Miernick super fantastic artist that works in this sexy pinup girl style. He Mm -hmm. does work for Tattoo Magazine and other uh, really cool places. We've been working with Ed Miranick for, gosh, maybe 10 years now. And I'm really happy that you brought this up because it's something that I don't talk about very often. But... Ed Miranick and Carlton Malick III have a really cool artistic relationship where 
since Ed has been designing his book covers for so long, Carlton sends him the ideas. Now the way it works, I think Carlton actually will send a list of ideas that he has about future books to Ed Miranick and then have Ed create the sexy girl that will go on the cover and then Carlton will write the book what with that girl with that image on his desktop and the image will inspire the book the book will then inspire the image it kind of goes back and forth and I think that um, Ed Miranick has said before that, that he feels like some of his best work has been inspired by Carlton's ideas because Carlton will ask him to draw a woman that has lizard scales and a woman who's made out of meat with, uh, <laughs> you know, things, metal things coming out of her face. And I, I wish I could just think of them off the top of my head, but they're brilliant. Just go to Carlton's website and check out all of his book covers done by Ed Mirnick. I, 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 that. I think that's really cool, and I mean, I like that kind of thing. And Rob's right; the covers for for Carlton's books are are excellent. Um, uh, Adolf in Wonderland comes to mind. We mentioned it on an episode a couple <laughs> a couple of episodes ago. Oh, and yeah. It's just yeah, it's like the cover's yep. brilliant, the title's brilliant. I have to order this book. <laughs> well, well, thank you for taking time out from publishing all of the bizarre books in the world to to talk to <laughs> us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, I, I really appreciated talking to you guys, and um, I didn't even get a chance to mention the things going on with our other imprints, Deadite Press and Lazy Fascist and Fungasm, so I'd be happy to talk to you guys again anytime. All right, once again, that was Rose O'Keefe, publisher and CEO. I think we forgot to mention that part of her title of Eraserhead Press. Um, it, it turned out that um, after the, uh, the mics went off, quote unquote, I'm making like rabid quote marks with my fingers. Um, we ended up talking a lot more and there was a lot of cool stuff that we talked about that we're not going to be able to drop into this episode, but we're probably going to bring out as just a little bit of an extra coming up and, you know, um, probably before or a little after the next episode, because there's a lot of really cool conversation that happened uh, off topic, basically. Dude, there really was. And you know what? I, I want to be CEO of something now. Um... Wow, is there going to be a power struggle here? Project, my, 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 my helicopter project up off the ground. Get it? Off the ground. <laughs> off the ground. Get it off the ground, yeah. Uh, Livazon? Yep, Livazon it is. Yeah. All well, right. And then my competing company is going to be Robgul. <laughs> Google. I don't know. That's not a good thing or anything. <laughs> that's, that's where you call Rob up and ask him for something and he Googles it for you. <laughs> that's right. This is genius because you know what? There are those people that don't know how to do that. You'll hear me in the background using Siri to just like, Search for this, yeah, yep. and give them an answer. <laughs> Perfect. See, we could be CEOs of our of our, our our own entities. But yes, it was very very cool having her on. And yes, we have some very cool um, Rose Part Two content coming up for you in the near future. Yep, definitely. I'm looking forward to that. So for our next episode, we we have we're we're almost positive this is what's going to happen. We are <laughs> going to bring on. Um, one of the winners of the uh, Replace Livius uh, Unbooked Contest, um, Adam Auten, will be joining us. Uh, and we will be reviewing Gravesend by William Boyle, Broken River book number two for this podcast. That's right. Glad we're getting into another Broken River. Uh, Stephen Graham Jones probably built some really, really big shoes. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what, uh, we'll see what happens. And that's, I hope... We get to find out what Adam Otten's real voice sounds like. 
I didn't even think about that. But yeah, it could be uh, could be numerous voices. And if then, he's got that like really southern twang, it's gonna be like a ten minute episode. <laughs> yeah, get this guy off of here. Like, thanks for coming out. What'd you think of the book? That was pretty good. All right, thank you. We're having some technical difficulties. Keep reading. Yep. And then in the very near future, we will be fulfilling our other obligation to another guy named Adam, um, who will be reviewing Peckerwood with us by Jedediah Ayers. That's right. Yep. Looking forward to getting through Peckerwood. Um, On on Facebook the other day, uh, today or the other day, Rob Hart uh, linked to a, uh, I can't remember what website it was on, but he did a list of 10 um, cliched things in crime stories or hard-boiled mm-hmm. stories or whatever it was. And Jed, re- uh, like, you know, shared the link and said eight of these 10 um, take place in Peckerwood, like, very proudly. Dude, it was funny because on, on um, Twitter, he had actually posted it as a review of his book. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, very much looking forward to getting those titles knocked out. And I guess we could probably mention that um, Dave James Keaton at some point will also be joining us. And we'll be reviewing Triple X Seamus by the mystery author of Broken River. The mystery Red Hammond. I don't know. We don't think that's his actual name. No, we know it's not his real name. Yeah, that's right. We know it's a, it's an Red author Hammond. who is writing under a pseudonym. It's like a pseudonym, only it's like uh, got that nice feel to it, you know, like a like like a sweet blanket. I prefer sweet a velura nim. Yeah, there you go. I could totally um, see you wearing velour. Did you get stuck wearing a lot of velour when you were a kid? Never. No. See, no. you're a little younger than me. Velour was the thing, man. <laughs> oh god. And like That's... V-neck collared, like velour long sleeve shirts, probably like eight or ten of them. Uh, all right. Well, before um, before you get to listening to those episodes. You're going to be busy voting for Donnie Booked. Yep. Voting for your choices for Donnie Booked. May the best episode win. I just had to fight the urge to like hit my fist on the on the table a few times. Like, so may the so best like, episode win. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm jacked totally, up about it. Totally into this. <laughs> awesome. Well, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Booked. Until next time, I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Keep reading. And voting, vote, Donnie, vote. Yeah.